0: Second Timothy 3, verse 15, 16, and 17, please. <clears throat> and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, take your word this morning and wing it to every heart. Father, we pray that you would bless the babies, the children, the leaders, the teachers that are away with them this morning. I ask you, Father, that you would bless each and every little heart there and the leaders for their faithfulness, Lord, in helping in the work of God. Thank you for people of such mind. And so, Father, we pray that you would encourage them. I bless your people that are here this morning. Those that are watching also, wherever they may be around the world, will you encourage them? And, Lord, would you teach us and lead us by thy Spirit through the word of God. May Christ be exalted. May he be seen and lifted up and glorified in all that we do. For thy glory and for thy name's sake we ask it. Amen. Amen. This morning, and possibly the Lord willing, Next Sunday morning, I want to do a couple of mornings on simply what I've entitled 316 Studies, 316 Studies. Hence we read from Second Timothy chapter 3, and Timothy writing, pardon me, Paul writing to Timothy, he talks about the holy scriptures that he's heard from a child and that salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in him alone. In verse 16, look what it says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished unto all good works. So the Word of God, the Scriptures, is for you and I this morning, brother, and for you and I this morning, sister, for every heart that will listen and hear the Word of God is for us. Notice three sixteen, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So there's your 3.16, and we want to look at that this morning. The study of 316. We're going to look at some others this morning and others as we hopefully God will then go into next week uh, also. Notice in the original manuscripts of Hebrew and the Greek for the New Testament, there are no chapter and verse, okay? But 316 here is helpful the chapters and the verse put into the books that make up our Bible, the 66 canonized uh, books of the Bible are there for us to be able to find place to be able to read. And they have broken it down, the translators have been able to break it down for us. Some places I think they could have went a little here or there, but nevertheless, they're more scholarly than I. I'll leave it up to them. So there's no chapters or verse in the original text. And Let us just first of all assert this morning that we here in CET, we fully believe that the Word of God is absolute truth in all its original manuscripts and form. We believe that it is divinely inspired and as it is here said that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, it means all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's God's breath upon us as we would read uh, the Scriptures We believe that in CET also. And it is the mind of God to the mind of man. The Scriptures are the mind of God given to the mind of man and to the heart of man. Notice it is the full and final authority in all manner of Christian conduct and living. We believe that. We also believe in CET that the King James version of the Word of God is not only the closest to the original text, but we believe it is profitable for us to read this version of the Scriptures. Some would claim that even the chapter and the verse breakdown is inspired because they prayed so much about it. Uh, the translators, that is, into the, from the original text into what we have our Bible, but we shall leave that argument to others who are more scholarly. myself. Notice in our reading here, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now when Paul is writing all scripture, he's actually writing the New Testament. So the all scripture is the Old Testament that which Paul is speaking about here. Now, we know from Genesis to Revelation is inspired by God, but in Paul's day, Paul was looking and saying, the Old Testament Scriptures are not archaic. Everyone, some, uh, everyone who is against the Word of God, if we bring something out from the Old Testament, they say, ah, but that's the Old Testament. Even some Christians would say, ah, but that's the Old Testament. I'm a New Testament believer. Well, brothers and sisters, in CET we assert again, we are whole Testament believers from Genesis to Revelation. We believe it is inspired by God, that it is completely in its totality breathed out by God. And you can't know the New Testament really without knowing the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And to no one and the other, when we study them, they open up the whole Testament of God to us. So all Scripture, Paul here in this instance is speaking about the Old Testament. For example, it is, notice here, it's mentioned in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8. First Timothy four and verse eight. Of this word is. Notice First Timothy four and verse eight. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. The word profitable, godliness of life. In other words, living your life before God, brothers and sisters. Living a life that's not just a public life, not just a church life. There's many people have a face for church and a different one for home. There's many have a different one for a different life, secret life. Notice this, the word here, profitable, is the same in Second Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, or knows it is God breathed, and it is profitable for doctrine, for teaching. The Old Testament is profitable, godly living is profitable. It's the exact same word. Anglangos is the word, and it means that it is profitable for teaching. Notice here for doctrine in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. So the teaching of the scriptures, Paul is speaking of the Old Testament. I have to remind you again, he is speaking of the Old Testament. So those Christians who don't want to read the Old Testament, don't want to look to the Old Testament and believe the Old Testament is archaic and outdone, Paul is saying it is profitable for our teaching. It is profitable. It is the concealing of the New Testament. And when the New Testament comes, as Paul is writing, it is revealing of the Old Testament. So notice here in Titus chapter 3, if you want to flick to Titus chapter 3, notice what he says here. Just let me get it with you. Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, please. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou confirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. This is good works as a Christian, godliness. These things are good and profitable. It's the same word for profitable for teaching. They are profitable. So if we do good works and live a godly life, it is profitable. Profitable for the man and for the woman. Profitable for ministry. Profitable in all things. So here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, reproof. The word here, reproof, it means to give evidence or to bring to a conviction. So the Old Testament can also bring us to a conviction and it is proof of the living God, proof of the power of God, proof of the anointing of God, proof of the Spirit of God, proof that God is all creator. The keeper, the maker, the sustainer of all things. So notice here he's saying that is also, the Old Testament is is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. It is also profitable to bring one evidence of the existence of God. Evidence of God being the creator. The creator of of all things. For example, also in, in the book of Hebrews, we not turn to it for time's sake in chapter 11, there's faith's hall of fame. And it tells us, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence is the same word here for reproof. Faith is what God has done in, in, in creating the planet, creating the solar systems, creating all that we know and far more above that and beyond that, creating the heavens where the angels are, creating all things, creating you and creating me. And Paul says, if you look into these things, these things will teach you about your God. And he also then says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 16, it's also profitable for what? For correction. Would you say correction? People don't like being corrected. Lives don't like to be corrected. The flesh doesn't like to be corrected. But Paul tells us here that the Word of God, the Old Testament is, and we can look at it now also in the New, but here speaking, he's saying it's profitable for correction. The word here, correction, means to restore to an upright state. To restore to an upright state. Our nation has become... So embittered against God. uh, Our people have become so wayward from the things of God, so hateful toward God, and many of them have become, as it were, bent over, needing to be straightened up in the ways of God. Bent over, this is the idea, bent over, needing to be straightened up. Many lives are bent over, as it were. The idea is that they've been bent over. Religion has bent men and women over that they worship a system, that they trust in a denomination, that it's bent them over. Our nation has been bent over for a long time. And here Paul says, if you look even to how God dealt with Israel in the past and how God blessed when they called upon him, he straightened them up, he gave them Joy and he give them peace, and he, there was no war around for years. He give them victory over their enemies. Brothers and sisters, how many of us want to see that in our land? How many of us want to see us having victory over the enemy? The enemy of your soul, he who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we're bent over. In other words, we're crippled by him. And it says, even if you see how God blessed in the past. You know, yesterday, I haven't even told my wife yet, but uh, uh, yesterday I was reading, uh, and I just happened to be reading, and one verse leapt out at me. It just leapt out at me, and I went out for a walk with my old faithful prayer partner, not Alison, but my dog. (laughs) And I had to seek his face about it because it was about me. I'm not going to tell you what it was, because it was a rebuke from the Lord. And it It actually put a fear in me. It put a concern in me. But it was to straighten me up. It was to get me in a line where maybe in my mindset, maybe in my ways that I was going where I, I was leading or I was doing or whatever it was I was doing, I can't go into it because it's between me and God. And I had to go out and seek him because the first part of it was, or sorry, the the middle of it was, if you seek me, this will happen. And he just straightened me up. It was from the book of Jeremiah. It wasn't a New Testament scripture. It was from the book of Jeremiah to straighten me up. I was starting to feel, as it were, bent over, bent over with the weight of things, bent over with, uh, with with. the weight of the of the work bent over with things that we're trying to accomplish, things we're trying to do. I was starting to feel bent over and and tired, not off the work, but tired in the work. I'm not tired off the work of God, but I get tired in the work of God, and that's okay. But we're bent over sometimes in spirit because we feel weak, we feel unable. We recognize our inabilities and, and things that happen, and even the, you know, the, the, the health. Things are, are, are harder to recover from than they used to be, and maybe that's coming because you start getting older. But bent over, as it were. And Paul says, if you look to what God did with Israel, you'll do the same today. You see, I believe when the Scripture tells me Jesus Christ The same, and and, and you see the Jesus Christ the same yesterday, and today, and forever. That's the way it reads in the original text, you know. Not just Jesus Christ the same, and people say it, look, and that's fine. I don't mean to hold any, I don't, I don't mean to embarrass anyone, but they say Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. That's not the way it reads. It Doesn't read like that. He he emphasizes it. He lifts it up and he gives it to you. It's like he takes it and he says, here I am. Jesus Christ the same. This is where it reads, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. That's the way it reads. The same Christ who taught the kingdom of God from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is the Christ who died for you? Is the Christ who bore your sin? Is the Christ who shed his blood for you? Is the Christ who went to the grave for you? Is the Christ who rose again? Who is ascended into heaven? Who is glorified and sitting at the right hand of the Father? He is the same. And you know, we're bent over. We're looking for Someone to come and to straighten us out. Listen, if the pastor comes to try and straighten you out, you fall out with them. I tried to straighten somebody out during the week and they fell out with me. Somebody on the phone me a few weeks ago and they were in a desperate way and I told them exactly what they needed to do and they haven't come back since. I tried to straighten them up and help them. They haven't come back since. They were on the phone for over an hour with me, almost crying down the phone. I told them what they need to do, but everything was no. And they started just ah, like a bar crying. The Word of God straightens you up, brother. The Word of God straightens you up, sister. This word straightened me up yesterday. I'm sitting in, in my study and just flicking through and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm going to read this chapter. Oh, that's very applicable for today. And one verse went, boom, but that's for you. Never mind everything else. And I closed the Bible and went, Lord, I, I, I don't want to read this. Who does that? I know you spoke to me, but I don't want to read it and you sitting there. Well, you know what's there. You know what's there. You know what's there. I've spoken to you. It won't go away. You know what's there. You know it's there. And every now and again, you go back. Did it say what? What oh, did say? What I thought it said. It did say. Paul's saying, "Look how God has dealt in past time. Look how God has dealt before." But look how God came through. Look how God brought the miracles, the signs and the wonders. Look how God brought revival in Israel, national revival, personal revival. Look how what God has done. You see, you can't run away from God. I tried to yesterday for a bit. Not away, didn't leave the house, went out the back to play with the dog for a while kick a ball about, try and get rid of it, try and get rid of it, because it was sore, it was sore, it was still calling me, and calling me, and it was calling me, kept speaking to me, and speaking to me, and speaking to me, talking to me, and talking to me, and talking to me, oh, and every time I was in the house, I walked up the hall, I heard my study calling me. And I went back and I went. I says, Allison, I need to go a walk. Harley, get the lead on. Let's go. I cried unto the Lord. And I says, Lord, please don't do that because of my failures. It's to do with the church. It's to do with the flock of God. Please don't do that because of my failures. And I'm going to say something, and I know this might not go down too well with some. There's many men in many pulpits, and I believe the Lord is going to take, the Lord is going to move upon Many people and things are going to happen that they don't want to happen because they are not seeking the Lord the way he told them to seek them. Paul is saying here that the scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Do you know It means to restore to an upright state. To restore to an upright state. It means to build a new cause one, the standard act. Who wishes that if they could, if they had another chance, who wishes even in that they wish that they could be made to stand like a new man and a new woman all over again. I do. I do. And the Lord moved. I wish our nation would stand anew all over again. I wish Ulster would stand all over again. I wish for Ireland to be saved. so, this means it is profitable for our correction. And it also gives the idea, if you'll turn to Luke 13, I want to show you the exact same word in this form. Luke 13. This is a woman. We'll all know the story. And let your eye run down just to verse 13. This woman has been bound over for 12 years with a spirit of, pardon me, 18 years with a spirit of infirmity. Let your eye run down. Luke 13 and verse 13. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. She was made straight. If you repent, you can be made straight. If you're bowed over, you can be made straight. If you're under the weight of it, you can be made straight again. Notice this. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. And what did she do? Glorify God. You see, sometimes it hurts, brother, sister. Sometimes the... The flesh hurts because it's the spirit wars against the flesh, and the flesh is against the spirit, and it's sore. It hurt me yesterday, but I can tell you when I eventually realised and yielded because I fought against it for a while. Who knows? You can't fight against God and win. (laughs) You just can't do it. (laughs) And sometimes we think, you know what? We'll just tempt them a little bit longer. We'll tempt them for another five or 10 minutes or we'll tempt them for another day or so. And God says, no, now is your accepted time. Now is the day of your salvation. Now is the day when Jesus comes to a woman bound over 18 years and it says, and immediately she was made straight. The word straight is the exact same here. 2 Timothy 3, 16. She was made straight. And it also then says in 2 Timothy 3 and 16, it is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Know what this means? If you're a child of God, your mind changes. Your mind changes. Your mindset changes thinking changed that which you love now you hate and that spiritually speaking in the lord which you hate now you love people say oh i don't believe it that you know you should go to church twice on a sunday you go to your bible study during the week you know why because i love the lord because i love him We're there because we love Him and we don't love ourselves. Why do I, why do we, why do you and I, why is it that we want to stand in a world that hates the gospel and hates the Lord Jesus Christ? Why? Because His word is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Why do we hate what the world offers us? Because his word is profitable for instruction in righteousness. And the word here for instruction, it gives the idea of a schoolmaster. Don't want to speak about it because I'm going to mention it tonight. It gives the idea of a a schoolmaster. It comes from a root word. And it gives the idea because... He changes, Uh, 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 the word of God, it changes. It's profitable uh, for instruction or it means to change your mind and your morals. I used to be out in the clubs and the pubs, but I wouldn't set foot in one if you give me a million pound. I wouldn't set foot in one if you give me a million pound. You know why? Because he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and from the merry clay and set my feet upon a rock and hath established my goings and put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And it says, Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. I used to live in a sinful life, in a sinful manner, and go a sinful way. Yes, I have a liturgy of a past behind me that I I don't even want to remember at times. Yes, I have it, but it's been washed away in the blood. And so have you, brothers and sisters, by the way, but it's been washed away in the blood. You know, sometimes when people Dig up other people's past. I feel like taking a sword out and cutting the head off them. Literally. To stop their tongues from gossiping. To stop their mouths from opening up and talking about people. When Christ has forgiven you, Christ has forgiven you. Notice here, he changes minds and he changes morals. So, my mind and mouth was like a swirling parrot and a drunken sailor. I didn't care if I was sinning before God. I didn't even realize there was a God. Stared to him. Didn't worry about those things. But I can tell you now, people say you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do the other thing. I'm going to tell you something, friends. I could do anything like that. I don't want to. You know why? Because he's changed my mind. He's changed my heart. And he's changed yours too. Changed yours too. And so Paul tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And why? Why? If you'll go with me back to our reading 2 Timothy 3 and 16. Verse seventeen now, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Look, how do I put this across? Do you know the man who tells you the truth loves you the most? I don't want to blind you with a pat on the back and this encouragement is needed and sometimes we need to help pump up the tires of others to help them get home. We have to do that. I understand that. But listen. You can say for yourself, I'll say for myself, when I got saved, when I was saved, I knew what I was saved from. I knew what I was forgiven of. Only Christ in me knows the life I came from. But here's what I'm going to tell you. When I got saved, no one had to tell me what was right and what was wrong. No one had to tell me the places to frequent and the places not to frequent. Nobody had to tell me. You know why? Because I was delivered from them. I was delivered out of them. And my heart and mind was changed that I wouldn't want them. But when I got saved, you know what my thoughts were? My heart was I just need to be in fellowship in His presence. In fact, three days saved. I was in that meeting that night. I got saved, and three days later, I was wishing I was back there because the, 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 the Spirit of God that convict me has blessed me, and I thought, if I go down to that building, God must live in there. That's as much as I knew. And I ran the whole way down the shore road and into the Metropolitan Tabernacle Church, and guess what? He wasn't there. know where he was. He was in here. He was in here. But I always wanted to be with God's people, singing the songs of Zion, listening to the word of God, praising him like the woman bound over had been straightened up and says, now walk. It's profitable for you to walk in godliness. It's profitable for you to do good works and godliness. It's profitable for us. It's profitable to take the word of God and eat at the master's table. Can I ask you this morning, did you have your breakfast? Did you have your breakfast this morning? Now you're gonna go home and have a big dinner, aren't you? Nothing like a big Sunday dinner, and then you get a wee sleep after it. If you're over 30 or 40, maybe. Some people go out for a walk and do whatever. But don't forget, where's your dinner. Where's your dinner. The leanness of soul is because there's a meanness in the word of God, the eating of it. That's your supper when you go home. I'll tell you, if you come this evening, you'll be able to eat again in fellowship with God's people. Notice here, Paul says that it is profitable. Again, these are the 316 studies. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this, mention something, and I'm going to quit. I don't mean forever, like just <laughs> just until tonight or until the Lord allows me. And while you're looking up, see the woman, Luke 13, You straightened up. She glorified God. He glorified God. And the psalmist says that he's taken me up also over a horrible pit. And, you know, a many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. You see, everything that God does for you and in you and I is for his glory. Not for mine or yours or anybody else's. Everything he does is for his glory. And when the woman was straightened up, she realized, I'll glorify God. And why I'm bringing this before we finish with this verse is, since God has saved you, brother and sister, has your life glorified God or brought a shame to the name of Jesus? Does your life glorify God? So I pray this and he says, Lord, everything that I have, everything that I am, Lord, would you help me to surrender my life to you? I thought I had surrendered my whole life, my full life to him until he starts showing me verses like he showed yesterday and I had to go all over again and say, no, Lord, take that bit too. There's always more to give. There's always more to yield to him. But I can tell you, he's no man's debtor. I came home a, a good bit lighter. And a lot straighter than when I left yesterday. I was like this, going out. I felt like this. Way down with it. The Lord has spoken to me. I was like, oh, no, 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 Lord, I started saying, Lord, I'm just giving it to the Lord, and started to straighten up, Lord, I will obey this in your word. If you, if you don't do this to, it was to do with the flock, and Lord, if you don't, then I, I I, will, and I told him about what I will further give of myself to the work of God. I always thought I'd just give it all. I, I don't have any hobbies. I don't go playing golf or watch football. And listen, I'm not saying anything about anybody at does. I don't have any hobbies. I, I don't, I, I, and I thought, since I have all this, because Alison was saying to me, can you need to get out and do something? I just, I, to me, from saved it's just me and the Lord. It's just me and him. But yesterday, I realized there was things that were, I was starting to come over like this, and I realized, Lord, There's more I need to offload of me, of me. Genesis three, verse sixteen. I take note. Unto the woman, he that is God, the Lord, said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. And thy conception, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now take note of this: in Genesis 3:16, Paul is saying all Scripture. So now we're going right to the seedbed of the Bible, right to the very book of beginnings. So what is it to learn from? this verse of Genesis three sixteen, The Lord said unto the woman, I will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Notice this. Pain in childbirth came at the fall. Ladies, I take, if I had it, I had it off, but we take it off to you. I tip my head to you if childbirth was up to a man, the wouldn't need the elitist to try and get rid of us all. We'd be extinct. That's the truth. And by the way, God didn't build a man to have children, He created a woman. Men having children, such an abomination. But he said to the woman, in childbirth, you're going to have sorrow. That sorrow in your childbirth, that sorrow reminds you. I want to be careful because how am I meant to know what it's like to give birth? I can't. I was with Alison and nearly fainted, just, just being there. In fact, when Alison was having Jodie, uh, I'm standing at the bedside just up at the, where Alison is talking to her. You're right, love? And I says, remember your candles? <laughs> and she, she, she was about to hit me a slap, get out of my road. And she took me there, you know, to learn this. <laughs> she asked me to go to one of these things. What do you call that, Alison? An antenatal class. An class, is that what you call it? Auntie Nettle class, and I'm not going to one of them. She says, "Can I be the only mother there, with no, with nobody with them? You, you have to come." <laughs> your woman had us sitting on the ground one time. and I'm sitting behind Alison. Your woman goes, "No, is there anybody have a sore back?" And I had pulled my back. You see, and I went, "Me." <laughs> <laughs> and the look in the woman's face, you know, the look on her face was it was disgust and horror. And dismay and unbelief at all at the same time, and she was like, <laughs> she says, "I was speaking to the mothers, and I'll, oh okay, so i didn 't go back so i, did, so, <laughs> so I, I didn 't go back." But Alison, Alison's having Judy, and I'm up and holding her hand and saying, what do I do? And I'm watching her in pain, and she's just at the beginning of this, you know, and I wanted to get out, but I felt I was there, I couldn't leave her. And and I think Alison secretly wanted me to get out, but she didn't say. But I remember looking at her, and the nurse comes over and says, would you like a glass of water? And Alison had that glass in her. and she just went, no, I'm okay. She says, no, I was talking to your husband. I was white and shaken. And I wasn't even going through it. The the point is this. The pain that you feel in this is because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. Because Eve was beguiled, but Adam being the federal head he, he, he sinned before God and it's another way, brother, that where we should be as, as men, as, as fathers, as, as husbands, uh, we should be leading our homes in the ways of the Lord. Every man should be a priest of his own house. And Adam, when he fell, it brought forth death. Eve was beguiled or tricked by the serpent. And, and when she, she sinned, the, the childbirth, laboring pangs and pains came. And that's a reminder of sin and the fall and death coming. But listen, what does God bring out of death? What happens when you're in labor? Life comes. You see, it's, a, it's got a, a two-edged sword because it's hard It's difficult. But yet, when the baby is born, it brings forth life. God said she would have sorrow and pain. And the pain is from the curse. But God also said in verse 15 before it, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God promised she'd give birth, and a Savior would come. Out of death of Adam's sin, he brings forth life. Genesis 3:16 comes from the remembrance of the pangs and the sorrows of travail, of childbirth. I'm going to start there next week in the Lord's will because there's so much I want to show you. I want to show you how there was a revealed uh, a revealed word in the all scriptures given by inspiration. It was revealed even the very... Uh, the very people that were birthed through, there was a hidden message right through every one of them of this coming of the Savior. The coming of the Lord. And out of that death, there was coming forth life. And every one of us who are saved, he has brought us from death unto life. May God bless his word to you all this morning for his glory and for his name's sake.